You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Anthony Katchman, and this is our weekly look at the Cleveland Indians, the red-hot Cleveland Indians winners of 10 straight as we record this five-game lead in the AL Central. And Jordan Bastion has been on vacation for Almost every minute of it. JB, you are the uh, the good luck charm or the bad luck charm, depending on how you look at it. But uh, I'm guessing the next time you walk through that clubhouse, you're going to be shooed out of there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm former beat reporter. I don't know. Maybe this will be like office space, and they just haven't told me I'm fired. Uh, and I'll do, I'm going to make that trip to Toronto and just pretend like I still have a job. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see if they let me in to the manager's desk, and I'm sure uh, Terry Francona will have some – Nice quips ready for me uh, when I do show my face. You know, and obviously luck is not on my side when I do show up. We'll be playing a good <laughs> Toronto team, and I, th- there might be a loss there, and, and I will be blamed for it. Oh, my God. He's already making excuses, folks. Um, all right, so what do you make of this? Because obviously there are things, when you, when you win 10 games in a row, there are real things that are happening within that. There are outlandish things that are happening within that. I would say, you know, the offense scoring north of six runs a game is not something you count on for the rest of the season by any stretch of the imagination, but there are uh, certainly good signs within that. Uh, What's your general takeaway from what's going on here the last week and a half? Well, I think what we're seeing is the best-case scenario for the way this team was constructed. I think the reason that, you know, kind of all those projection systems were so high on the Indians was strong starting pitching, uh, obviously, you mentioned the offense is a little bit more than expected, but you know, a good enough offense and extremely strong run prevention to go with a, a solid bullpen. And I think over the course of a long season, you know, when the stars align with those components, you can have an incredible hot straight streak like this. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing is we're seeing exactly why uh, you know everyone thought the Indians could be very good this year. You know, we're seeing incredible starting pitching. Um, obviously, some of that's going to come back down to earth a little bit. Um, and we're seeing, obviously, the good defense and the the offense has been kind of in one of those incredible uh, strong stretches where up and down the lineup, you know, they're, they're getting on some incredible runs, whether it's four triples in a game or four homers in an inning. You know, I think we've just seen the Indians at their peak and why they are a team – uh, that has, I think, sustainability when it t- comes to contending for the playoffs. So everybody, myself included, you know, wrote and said very nice things about the Indians' uh, rotation going into the year. Um, yeah, I said at the time, it's an elite unit, but it's an elite unit because of the front three, because of Corey Kluber and, uh, you know, Carrasco's had uh, two monster second halves uh, the last couple of years. And Danny Salazar is probably their statistically probably their best starter last season and, and still room for, for more growth there. Uh, but then after that, you know, very significant question marks. And Trevor Bauer was one of them uh, to the point that he wasn't even in the rotation on opening day and, and spent some time in the bullpen. But uh, six strong innings against the Braves on Monday night. And in the month of June, a 190 average against, 529 OPS against, uh, a 2.01 ERA and six starts. He's been basically – one of the best starters in baseball over the last month or so. And it just seems like JB, he's, he's figuring out that you don't have to overthink this. And if you, you throw strikes and locate 
Um, you can succeed at this level. You don't have to kind of reinvent the wheel. He's been, I think Terry Francona even used the word conventional. He's been a little more conventional uh, in his approach. And, and that, to me, is as encouraging as anything else that's happened in this last, uh, you know, in this recent stretch. Yeah, I think we're seeing sort of the evolution of, of what the last three years of overhauling his delivery, uh, then sort of, you know, kind of having a stubbornness with his approach, and, and then using an offseason to increase his velocity and, you know, kind of button heads here and there with the pitching coach and, and, and Francona, but in the end sort of finding this middle ground of his own philosophies and what the team has for their pitching philosophies and, and, and all that progress he's made with his delivery behind the scenes is kind of all coming together, and we're seeing he's still doing, you know, that up-and-in approach with the fastball but really becoming more of a sinker-based pitcher. The two-seam has overtaken the four-seam in terms of his usage. We have seen an uptick in the velocity on all the pitches, so much so that his slider doesn't even register as a slider anymore with pitch effects. It registers as a cutter now. Um, So we're seeing all these things kind of combined, and then he's kind of got his own personal catcher now with Chris Jimenez, who's kind of one of the unsung heroes right now in this stretch. You know, while Jan Gomes has struggled, uh, Jimenez has really stepped up, not only as Bowers' personal catcher in other games as well, but with Bowers specifically, you know, they've really worked well, you know, planning ahead day before starts. And, yeah, kind of going back to this this really simple approach that, you know, they always joke around that those pitcher meetings are the up-and-in, down-and-away meetings. But we're kind of seeing that with Bauer, that he's buying into that quote-unquote conventional philosophy while sort of, staying true to some of his own approaches to pitching, and I think the results have been fantastic. We're not seeing many reverse sliders or, you know, the seventh or eighth or ninth pitches in his repertoire. You know, we're kind of seeing him rely on a similar formula start to start, and his curveball has been, I think, one of the best pitches on the staff this season. You know, we're seeing great, great strides with him, and it's very encouraging. This is a guy that the Indians had hoped to see, and they're finally seeing it. Uh, another guy you, you hope to see, you know, perform the way he did at the minor league level was Lonnie Chisenhall, and we all know it's, it's been, uh, you know, fits and starts in, in his big league career, but he's hot right now. Uh, last six games, he's hitting 458 with five extra base hits and nine RBI. We've seen him get hot like this in the past, mm-hmm. JB. You just wonder, uh, especially, you know, given the, the general context of the conversation of, you know, is this team going to go after an outfield bat uh, this summer? Um, you know, it's a good time for Chisholm all to get hot, for sure. Yeah, it is, and you're right. We have seen it. We saw, you know, the Texas game a couple years ago, obviously, is the first thing that comes to mind, that three-homer, nine-RBI, five-for-five game, and everyone thought it was a uh, corner turned, and it turned out that it was kind of the peak, and and then he really struggled down the stretch that year. And we've seen him have very high peaks and very low valleys, and I think that his propensity for – you know, being an aggressive hitter, he does not going to draw a lot of walks. You know, I think that lends itself to having those kinds of streaks. Uh, I think we've seen that with Jan Gomes as well. And so, yeah, I think, again, you got to kind of ride it while you can. Uh, I think he's been, since he's been in right field, there is more of a comfort level uh, defensively. Maybe that's carried over to himself in terms of comfortability and, and, and uh, confidence as a hitter and things like that. So, you know, it's been good to see him hitting. And, again, with this lineup, as we've talked about for years now, you know, when the Indians can't put 
that that true run producing kind of mega slugger in the middle of the lineup. They've got to produce a lineup that from one through nine is, is very very deep. And when you're talking about Chisholm being you know, in the sixth or, or lower in that lineup and hitting the way he can, you know, that's a great sign for this lineup, and that's exactly what this lineup has to be. You know, we, we kind of talked about how the Indians have done this despite uh, some hurdles, and, and the biggest one being Michael Brantley's continued absence. Um, but they, they've also had some things go beyond expectations uh, on the positive side, and that's Tyler Naquin for me. Uh, yeah. who, who gets the chance because of Brantley's injury and also because of uh, Abraham Almonte's suspension. And, you know, the last 17 games, Naquin's batting 346. He's got 13 extra base hits, six home runs. You know, you look at his minor league numbers, and there's no indication that he has that kind of stretch in him, uh, you know, a six home run and 17-game kind of stretch. But um, he's also, I think he just turned 25 years old. So sometimes that, that power does come at the stage of development. So I don't know. I don't know what is real and what is not with Tyler Naquin from a power standpoint, but I do know that, uh, he's produced better than anybody could have possibly imagined, uh, here in his rookie year. Yeah. Offensively, it, it's, it's pretty incredible what he's doing. His bat pip, his batting average on balls and play. I think is over 450 right now, yeah, which is yeah. Uh, not not really viewed as sustainable. But again, kind of like I said with Chisholm, you kind of kind of ride the hot hand as long as you can. Uh, he hit 300, uh, I think, in AAA last year. He hit out of his mind in spring training. And again, one of those things you can't quantify. When Marlon Bird went down with the PED suspension, and they called Naquin back up, I think he saw a road ahead of him where. He wasn't looking at another de- potential demotion coming up. Where I think for the first couple months of the season, he was always playing with with that sort of hanging over his head that he could be the first guy sent down when they needed to make a roster move, no matter what his batting average was. And that can weigh on a player, you know. So I think after the bird suspension, maybe there was something. Again, you can't quantify it, but maybe that confidence level of all right, I'm going to be here. I'm going to stick around for a while. You know, we don't have a timetable for Brantley coming back. Bird's gone. You know, I'm going to be in the lineup basically every day. And he's taken full advantage of it. Again, I, with that BAPIP, you got to wonder at what point will the cold stretch arrive. You know, he's obviously running into some luck as part of this. Um, but obviously he's been hitting over 300 since he's been up. So not all luck. The guy has some skill as a hitter. He showed it throughout his minor league career. He's showing it now, and when you can put that guy at the bottom of the lineup, kind of set the table for the top, you know, that's a great thing to have. And, you know, maybe it's also partly due to the fact that Francona has limited his exposure to left-handed pitching. Maybe some of those peripheral numbers do get a boost because he is facing mostly right-handed pitching, similar to Chisholm Hall in years past, the way Francona's used him. So, again, kind of tip of the cap to Francona in all of this for how he has fit these pieces of the puzzle together kind of something we've raved about Francona since he's been in Cleveland is he's been giving this jigsaw puzzle and he's really gotten the most out of certain role players in certain in certain situations, certain lineups, and he's doing it again right now, and that also plays a hand within this 10-game winning streak. And the big question, JP, is if the fans respond to this, if, if the Indians can keep this going the rest of this road trip and, and come home just before they got a uh, – uh, what is it? A seven-game homestand just before the All-Star break and first-place uh, first-place uh, first ball club. You know there were over a million sports fans in downtown Cleveland last week. 
for the for the Cavs parade, and then the Indians drew twenty twenty some thousand that night. Um, you just you're you're waiting for that moment where where people really start to buy into this ball club and, and believe in what they're accomplishing. But you know, it's it's pretty real when you look at the, the other factors going on within the division. What they're doing is very real. Yeah, and I think one thing that kind of as far as the Cavs winning and the parade and the celebration of Cleveland, and it's you know you know everyone's calling it the city of champions now. You know it's kind of fun. They're existing in this world that's never, you know, in our lifetime has not existed in Cleveland, and it's been a lot of fun, and fans are enjoying it. But I also think if you think about it from the Indians' perspective, that monkey on the shoulders is gone. You know that that weight of being the first team to bring a championship back and that, that drought since the sixties, it's lifted, it's gone. And so that layer of pressure that has kind of always existed no longer exists. And now it's, can you sustain it in terms of for the city? Can you build on the celebration that the Cavs brought to the city and kind of reinvigorated the the fan base uh, and everything? And I, I think that can go a long way as this team gets deeper into the season and potentially into October, to know that that is not on you anymore, uh, I think that could go a long way just for the psyche of the players. And you know, It'll be interesting to see how far they can take it. I think you're right, because as, as much as they'll deny it, I, I do think sometimes these narratives do take over. And had the Cavs you know, lost Game 7, for instance, <laughs> then it's you know, it would the really hang over yeah. them. It, it would be unfair, but it would hang over the Indians if they get that close and stuff. Um, Obviously, yeah, that, that monkey is off their back, and it's, uh, it's title town these days, JB. We'll see if the Indians <laughs> can keep it going. Uh, I want to thank Jordan Bastion for joining us, and thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extras, Cleveland Indians edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.